Greetings, my friend, and welcome to Beyond Curious, conversations with brave adventurers like yourself that are taking voyages into the unknown to satisfy their curiosity, fulfill their purpose, and bring their ideas to life. I'm Brandon Fong, and I'm beyond excited to introduce you to today's guest, Heather Pierce Campbell. As parents, you really learn to raise yourself in the parenting journey as well. You know, and there is some truth to that. And I think it's through our children that we get to raise ourselves into better versions of ourselves and and better versions of the parents that they need us to be for them. As always, there is so much juicy goodness in this episode, but I would love for you to look out for these three specific things. Number one, Heather's crazy grit. She almost didn't survive having her daughter and went through seven years and lots of trauma to bring her kids into the world. She is the definition of a warrior. And in my mind, she's like a real life wonder woman. So listen to that story. Number two, and I'm going to, before I say this, don't, don't scream and cry and run away at this. There's a reason why I wanted to bring Heather on. I'm going to read her bio in a bit, but we talk about the litigation risk to small businesses. I'm going to read some stats here. There are over 15 million lawsuits filed yearly. 52% of those are against small business owners. On average, it costs $91,000 to settle a claim. And 60% of businesses face a significant legal issue once every two years. Now, again, I'm saying that not to make you bury your head in the sand because I have been wanting to actually bring someone on the show for a while that can talk about this in a non-scary way because this stuff is really, really important. If you are a curious entrepreneur that is building your business, these are the things that can hit you and make and just blindside you if you're not aware of them. So I've been looking for a while for somebody that could bring this conversation, but actually do it in an engaging, fun way that is not going to make you want to bang your head against a desk. So Heather was that person for me. So look out for all those crazy stats and actually what you can do about them. And then number three, the thing that you can do about them is actually leverage Heather's five bucket framework. So if you're wondering who is Heather, if you haven't heard of her, Heather is a warrior mama, nature lover, and dedicated attorney and legal coach for world-changing entrepreneurs. Based in Seattle, she is a mom to two little wild munchkins and the founder of Pierce Law LLC, home to her legal practice. She is also the creator of the legal website Warrior, an online business that provides legal education and support to information entrepreneurs, which are the people that are coaches, consultants, online educators, speakers, and authors around the U.S. US and the world. Guys, I have worked with Heather. She is actually the person that helped me to submit the trademark for Beyond Curious. So Heather is amazing and I've gotten to work side by side with her and she is fantastic. And uh, I'm just really grateful that I have a relationship with her because she's amazing. We have core value alignment and she is also somebody that makes this scary stuff that's really scary not as scary and it's really good to have a right a good person in your corner that can help support you in this way so with all that said i know we are talking about things like litigation risk but this is a very empowering episode and it is wrapped in heather's amazing story and her attitude and she is clearly a curious human about her potential and supporting others in achieving their potential so with all that said please enjoy this incredible conversation with my friend heather pierce campbell Heather, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you here. This is going to be so much fun. Hi, Brandon. So good to see you. Thank you so much for having me. 
Yes. And I'm so grateful that I know you not only because I've worked with you before and you were just amazing, but like, you're just such an incredible human with diverse experiences and you got so much grit and guts and greatness, which I guess is in alignment with the name of your show. So we have a lot to dive into today to not only show a little bit about who you are, but then also help people build a really strong foundation and uh, maybe help people avoid some of the mistakes that you've unfortunately, I'm sure, helped a lot of people undo as a result of not knowing. So <laughs> lots of discovery to be had today. And of course, I thought the best place to start would be with Wonder Woman in the most natural way, way, way to start. So in my research, I discovered that one of your favorite movies of all time is Wonder Woman. Uh, not only because it resonated with you, but it seemed like it came in a time of your life uh, right after having one of your kids and there's just like a, a juicy part of your life. So I'd love for you to maybe share why Wonder Woman resonated with you and maybe a window into your life about what was happening when you saw that. Mm, I love that question. And thank you, by the way, what an interesting way to start this conversation. So um, when I saw, yeah, and we're talking about the new Wonder Woman, right? But I grew up as a kid watching Linda Carter, old school Wonder Woman. So um, I've always been a Wonder Woman fan. In fact, my kids, I think it had to be like at Goodwill or something, found an old um, kind of like rubbery, almost Gumby style, like Wonder Woman, but little, she's cute and little. And I keep her up on my shelf. Like I look at her when I'm getting ready in the morning. Um, the Wonder Woman theme for me. So when I saw the new Wonder Woman movie, and you're, I think you're talking about a conversation where I shared that as one of my favorite films, it was literally like seven days, 10 days after having my second baby. And um, that was my daughter. And for people who haven't heard a little bit about my story before, I had a really tumultuous journey to motherhood. And so my motherhood journey um, involved basically seven years, seven pregnancies, multiple near-death experiences, some really traumatic things in my body and happening to my body. And um, it was a really interesting time for me and interesting from the standpoint that it was like everything that life is compacted really intensely into this one you know seven year period so it was joyful and it was deep deep grief and it was stressful and it was elation and it was so much physical pain and it was tons of emotional pain, right? So it it was everything. And, and it was also survival. There were, there were times that I literally did not think I would survive that journey. So seeing the Wonder Woman film, film and coming, coming through that second pregnancy, which like the last month of that pregnancy with my daughter, I did not sleep. I was having some really traumatic, um, basically the, the months leading up to her birth, I had had multiple rounds of pneumonia and the doctors could not figure out what was going on later. We figured it out like later in the journey, but what had happened is my um, esophage my esophageal sphincter was so relaxed. I'd had some stomach issues and then pregnancy can really exacerbate that. And it loosens all of your 
uh, smooth muscle tissue, the hormones mm -hmm. in pregnancy, right? And so this is why like your ligaments get loose and some of your smooth muscles really loosen. And that includes the esophageal sphincter. And so what happens is I was having tons of acid reflux. So I'd gotten sick, but what I was actually aspirating was stomach acid. And oh that God. is what was causing the pneumonia. So I had had like three rounds of pneumonia in the last um, three months of her pregnancy. And, and a short way into that, like I was coughing so hard, I was breaking my own ribs coughing. Oh my God. Right. And then I, I, and that happened and it was awful. And then I slipped and fell down the stairs and broke another rib it was, and I was like six or seven months pregnant at that time. So plenty pregnant and, um, and ribs don't heal <laughs> when you are that pregnant and, um, and your body is already completely strained and everything is in an abnormal position. I was in so much pain, the end of that pregnancy, just breathing, just sleeping, like rolling from side to side, like trying to get comfortable at night. And the breathing is actually the very worst part. Like I was so terrified of getting another illness because I had so much um, acid reflux up in like clear up here in my throat it was closing my throat. I was creating all this phlegm. I literally was like having a hard time breathing. And so at night I couldn't lay down. I couldn't go to sleep. The last month of that pregnancy, I did not sleep. I literally stayed awake through the night, standing in the shower, breathing warm steam and drinking endless amounts of water to just keep my throat clear. So it, I mean, it's a dramatic story. Most people are like, holy crap, I've not heard a pregnancy story quite like that. And I never expected that. Like after everything that I had been through, which by that time was already, I was going to say it was a shit ton of really hard stuff to end the pregnancy with that, like literally watching my son and my husband go to bed each night and like wish them a good night. And not know. Like I was so afraid of falling asleep that I would stop breathing or not be able to breathe. So it was a really super weird time. And the conclusion of the story is obviously I survived. And when I had Miss Henley, I literally was like on cloud nine for like months, like it was, and my body immediately started healing. As soon as that pregnancy concluded, I was in healing mode. But that movie, the Wonder Woman movie was the first time I took myself to do something after having Henley, right? So that was the first time, like I left the house on my own. I went and met a good friend and had a couple hours to myself watching that movie. So it was meaningful just in more ways than one. And um, I think in a lot of ways, I felt like such a warrior and during those seven years, getting my babies here and really concluding that motherhood journey um, from a physical perspective, right? The 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 birthing portion obviously the motherhood journey itself continues but that phase it was just a really significant moment and period in my life i got so many chills right now it's not even funny like oh my gosh the 
I think anyone listening, they're like, you said earlier, she has a podcast called guts, grit, and grade. Like, yeah, you got some guts, you got some grit. Like that is so intense. And I can only imagine just, I can just picture you sitting inside that theater after everything that you went through. And especially the fact that it tied into that, like childhood, like you had a, you had a relationship with wonder woman already, but then to have battled through that, literally a battle with your body and survival. And then seeing that film, I can only imagine what that felt like. You're probably, everybody was probably like, why is she crying in the middle of Wonder Woman? Yeah. You're, you're like, this, this means something. Let me have this. This is, this is a moment right now. So I love that. And thank you so much for sharing your story. And I think so many people are just going to hear that and just, uh, you 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 showed your values and what and, and and how you show up in the world by by sharing that. And an, another thing that I would love to talk about, it kind of in relation to this, is one of the things on your on your website that I love so much is you talk about what I believe in. And uh, one of the things that you have on here, I have written down saying I love you a thousand times a day to my children. It took me seven years and lots of trauma to get them here, and some days I still can't believe that they are here. And that is so beautiful. And there is something else that you said, what I believe on that I want to ask you about. You also say our children are here to teach us and rewire our brains and not the other way around. So now that people have gotten like a little bit of a taste of your journey into motherhood and how much you love your kids, I'd love for you to share a little bit about that philosophy about how your kids have become your own teachers. Oh, man. Well, it's, you know, I think the the good thing for me about my own journey is I really didn't have any expectations about parenthood. Like as I look back in my life and I know people that had like really clear ideas about like they were going to be a mom or do this career or do certain things. And I've always had kind of this wide openness. And of course, I did not expect to be the age that I am and and still trying to have kids, right? So not that I was outrageously old, but by the time you're 35 or 36, you're ad advanced maternal age in our medical system. Yeah, they call and it a geriatric pregnancy, don't they? It Which is. is... <laughs> yes, yeah. They, they switched from geriatric pregnancy to advanced <laughs> maternal age after my first one. So the, you know, I had my son at 35 or 36. I can't remember now. And then uh, my daughter at 41. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, um, it's, it's really interesting because I am one of six kids, you know, from my family of origin, and I was the second oldest. And in a lot of ways, this almost feels like my second round of kids. It's really mm -hmm. weird to say that out loud. It's, it's not like I raised my siblings, but being you know, one of the oldest, I felt very, very protective and, um, you know, just had unique experiences with my siblings uh, young, where it's in, in a really weird way. And I don't know any other way how to express this. I feel like a sibling, and it's not a sibling, but like a sibling relationship, even to my children. And I think it's just from the fundamental knowing and belief that we are all equals. We are all here in this shared experience. None of us know more than the other, particularly when it comes to that person's experience. And so I've really believed, you know, since my babies arrived, like, they are here to teach us, not the other way around. You know, I'm not here to impose my worldview or my things onto my children. And 
they are really here to bless the world and bless me and and you know and you also hear the the phrase that as parents you really learn to raise yourself in the parenting journey as well you know and there is some truth to that and i think it's through our children that we get to raise ourselves into better versions of ourselves and and better versions of the parents that they need us to be for them. It's so beautiful. And something that I'm looking forward to when I, when I have kids is just exactly what you said. It, one of my favorite quotes that comes up on the show all the time is I saw the angel in the marble and I carved until I set him free. It's by Michelangelo mm. talking about the David. And I think so much about our growth journey, especially as entrepreneurs, it's about subtracting what doesn't belong. And like kids are the they, they are the David in the marble. They haven't had any of that outside influence. They're just those just un, no ego, just being, just, just being amazing humans and being fully present and you see all their strengths. And so I'm so looking forward to that. And it sounds like that's what you look forward to as well is just how do I leverage this human being? That's just full potential, no baggage, full <laughs> curiosity, just enjoying the world. And uh, when you have that lens that you've clearly chosen to put on of having them be your greatest teachers, I'm sure you've gotten some incredible growth uh, as a result of having that that perspective. Well, certainly. And I think that anybody who goes through the parenting journey, I mean, we're all here for different lessons, but early on, I had some pretty astounding experiences, even with my first child as a baby, where I realized like, he is a whole human, even as this tiny, tiny little being, you know, when he was um, like nine months old, eight or nine months, I had taken him just to a mommy, like little Aiden breakfast. He was eating soft foods and munching down on little things with me. And I think I took him to like a pancake place in Ballard, which is one of the neighborhoods here in Seattle. And um, it was only a couple months later, he was verbal. He was very verbal by one, like he could say a lot of things and his memory was phenomenal. Like of all the places in Seattle that we drive and that we go visit, we rarely, if ever, like would go to that neighborhood or to that spot. I, I, that was the only time I had taken him there. We drove past it, past the outside of the building a few months later. And he pointed out the window and said, pancakes. <laughs> and I was like, like flabbergasted. Like here's this little <laughs> human, a baby in the back seat, the, a baby in the back seat of the car. We did not even get out. And he, he, it lodged in his memory. And I just, I realized like, these little people hold and remember and contain so much. And there was way more than that. Like he's had, he had some very, even pre-verbal moments, like in the car driving, careful mommy. We're like that. <laughs> those were his first words. It was like six months. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> right. And then he didn't talk again. You like, it, you know, it things like that, where it's like, these little beings are so much bigger than what we know and what we're aware of. And so my kids have repeatedly shown me lessons like that, where it's like, yeah. you know, they come fully the way that they are and they are whole and we are here to support them in their flight. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And, and thank you for sharing. I just, there's so many things that you said that stood out to me in both 
what you were just saying and then what you were saying before, just some keywords, some words popped up. Like you use the word protective, you use the word warrior. And like, I think it's so funny because one of my core values is conscious storytelling. And I believe that the stories that we share reflect who we are at our core, both the internal and external. And like you using those keywords, it is so crazy to see this world that you've built because you've built a life around being a warrior for other people about being protective, even when it was your siblings. But now what you do in, in your work today for entrepreneurs, like if I'm going to have someone protecting me, I want someone that's a warrior. I want someone that can show up this way. So I, I know the, the, the other part of the conversation that we wanted to have today is how people can have that warrior like mentality or that protection in their business. And, you know, in the work that you and I have done together, I've just learned so much already in like the, the you know, there's like the stages of learning. There's so much unconscious incompetence in this world of, uh, legal where it's like, you don't know what you don't know. And then once you find out what you don't know, it's usually too late. And so I, I love, not only have you found a business that's in alignment with who you naturally are, you of all the people that I met that are attorneys explain these concepts in a way that is easy for people to understand, not intimidating. And so when we met, I'm like, Heather, you got to come on. I haven't had an attorney on the show because I haven't found the right attorney to explain this shit. <laughs> so, so, so I'd love to dive into this kind of stuff, but maybe before we dive into some of the frameworks or some of the things that people could be thinking about so they can have that, that warrior inside of their business, I think it'd be great to kind of set some foundational understanding of the the risk that is at hand, not to intimidate people, but to kind of almost set set the understanding of why this is so important in the world. And so I know in some of your content, you kind of share a little bit about the litigation risk that we all that we all face or some of the things that um, is apparent in our world today if we're not careful about this kind of stuff. So before we dive into your five buckets and some of the ways that people can protect yourself, I would love for you to maybe share a little bit about kind of the landscape for today and why this is so important. Totally. Well, and it's, it is hugely important. I appreciate your context because it's not about like, I, I don't need to convince people like the sky is falling. That's not the goal, but the goal is, and for me always has been to help entrepreneurs do business with eyes wide open to the risks, the opportunities and the protections that are available to them. Right. And because when we, you know, you know this in any area of your life, like information really is power. When we have better information, we make better decisions. Really is that simple. And my goal is to help my clients make the best decisions possible for themselves and their business. And so the, the litigation risk, <clears throat> excuse me, most people don't know about until they're in litigation, right? It is one of the things, or unless you live in the legal world, which most business owners and entrepreneurs do not. So um, the reality is that in the U.S., and I obviously work primarily, my clients are in the U.S., but I, I work with a wide variety of clients also around the world. The common thread is that they are reaching into the U.S. for a significant portion of their business. So they've got clients based here. They have a significant portion of their database based here. And what that means is that from a legal perspective, they are responsible for knowing the laws in the U.S. that pertain to their business, pertain to intellectual property, right? Pertain to all of these things that um, that we get to learn about as we build and grow our businesses. So um the first place that I start is really helping people understand the landscape that they're operating in. 
And that is really important because it's it's super easy and it's super easy for small, uh, even solo led, but even small businesses with small teams to kind of believe that they are in a bubble, that they're somehow insulated from real world risk and that their businesses are so small, they're not really on anybody's radar. There's lots of this type of thinking that can go on in the small business world. And from a numbers perspective, one of the numbers that I like to share is that in the U.S. marketplace, and there, there's going to be some consistencies in other international markets as well, but in the U.S. marketplace, small businesses make up 99.9% .9 of all businesses. We are the marketplace from a numbers perspective, right? Any business making less than $3 million a year is considered a small business. That is the vast majority, massive majority of businesses in the U.S. And so even though, you know, even though individually we're small, together, collectively, we are so mighty. And even individually, I believe that we are so mighty. But it's really important not to count yourself out of the game, because if you do that, you will not play the biggest game possible for yourself and for your business, right? And I really fundamentally believe a lot of small businesses count themselves out of the game. So in looking at the landscape, it, the, the quick overview, and if you're listening, you know, just close your eyes, don't take any notes, don't get overwhelmed, come along for the ride, and I promise we will help you feel better at the end. <laughs> but, <laughs> More in the U.S., more than 15 million lawsuits get filed on an annual basis, right? And I'm really good at math, and that's a big number. It's like hard to wrap your mind around that number. Um, of the civil lawsuits, because that's both civil and criminal, of the civil lawsuits, more than 50%, 52% of those are against small businesses, 52%. It's a massive Crazy. number. Yeah. And of those lawsuits, 60% of them are contracts-based claims, right? So very quickly, we can dial in on some of the biggest buckets of risk when it comes to running and operating a small business. And let's also be clear that regardless the size of your business, um, one out of two businesses face a significant legal risk at least once ev out of like every two years, they are facing a, what is called a significant legal risk. It's actually 60% of all businesses, but you know, one out of two, approximately half every other year are facing a pretty significant legal risk. And so it's, you know, for me, it's helping people understand statistically what's happening in the small business world so that they realize like, yes, I'm playing this game. Yes, I want to build something meaningful. And I'm in a landscape where risk assessment matters and fundamental business protection also matters, right? If you end up, <clears throat> if you end up actually getting sued, heaven forbid, um, and I work really hard to keep my clients out of that bucket, but <clears throat> If a lawsuit gets filed against your business on average, and, and you go all the way to litigation, on average, that takes like 23 months, 22.6 months to get to that conclusion. If it doesn't go to litigation and it's resolved before trial, 
that still on average takes about nine months to resolve, the better part of a year. And so when I speak live, I regularly ask people in the audience, like how many of you have ever had a client issue, like a difficult client scenario come up, right? And usually like 90% of the room raises their hand, right? If you're in business any length of time, you're going to have a client issue arise. Somebody files a complaint, somebody stops paying, somebody complains about the service, you get a bad review, like whatever it is, right? Or if you're in an ongoing relationship with them, it's even worse. Like I've, I've worked with clients who have to remove somebody from a group coaching, you know, program or a group event or something like that. It can be terribly painful if you don't have your documentation, your ducks in a row to deal with people like that in your business. And, you know, you lose sleep and you waste a bunch of energy and, you know, none of us love to have difficult conversations, right? So we tend to want to avoid these kinds of difficult scenarios. Um, but, it also means that we can end up dealing with them the wrong way. And the, the reality is that litigation can shut down a small business. It can cost a small business. Like you take one of those um, litigation events, right? That goes all the way to trial. On average, it costs a small business um, between, I think it's like $10,000 and $150,000 to resolve that right? And that's, that does not include the outliers. Plenty cost more than that. That's just the, the kind of the median range. And it's, it's just a lot. It's an expensive endeavor for like a single employment relationship to go wrong or a client scenario to go wrong. And I work with clients who are regularly billing their clients 20, 30, 40, $50,000 for their work. These are not minimal amounts of money, right? So it's, it is significant. And, um, and if you understand that, there are also some really basic protections, like there is a map to your business, if you're the kind of client that I support, and even if you're not, there's still a map and I can give it to you. <laughs> but if you're the type of client that I support, there's a very clear map. And there's also an order of priority. Like there is a way to understand these risks and to help prevent some of these risks from happening. Yeah. I love that. And like you said, it's unfortunate that this is the case, but it's, it's not a matter of if it's just a matter of when, if you're playing this game. So like right now you listening, you have two options. I'll give you, I'll give you two options. Option one is you end this podcast right now and you go bury your head underneath the sand. <laughs> that is option one. Or option Which a two. lot of people probably want to do. They're like, where I need more coffee. I need more coffee before I can continue this. Exactly. Or option two, you listen to somebody that specializes in, in specifically working with entrepreneurs in the online space, which is like so much of the, I know the people listening are, are working in this kind of world where coaches are consultants, like the, having, having custom or, or having an attorney that specializes in this. And like she said, like an order of priority, understanding this, I always say at the end of every episode, but I'll say it now, like at the end of every episode, I always say there's something in here that can change your life. Like there's something in here. It might be a small little sentence that Heather says, but if you listen to it really, and you actually take action on it, 
you could be saving you from a hell of hurt in the, in the future where you get something crazy. So, um, we'll, we'll let you decide if you want to go bury your head in the sand or if you want to keep listening, but I would encourage you to keep listening because I know this shit is really good. So, <laughs> uh, Heather, I know you have like five buckets, so maybe we can start by giving like a high level overview of the buckets and then we can maybe with our remaining time, kind of dive into a few of them. If we, if we're, totally. we have enough time for it. Totally. So, I, I developed this framework, right? It literally is like five buckets that you get to look in as you are building your business to determine where are your legal needs coming from? Where do they live? What do they look like? What protection do you need? And I developed the framework in response to clients just having so many questions and it became really clear, like nobody has the map. Nobody understands from a just a really basic perspective, what the legal needs of their business look like comprehensively. And, and part of that is because the way that the traditional legal industry operates, and I've got lots of thoughts on that, we could have a whole separate conversation about that, but is, you know, it really unfortunately dramatically underserves certain clients. Small businesses are one segment of the the legal consumers that are really problematically underserved. And, and part of it is because so often, if you are a small business or an entrepreneur, uh, small business owner or an entrepreneur yourself, and you've tried shopping for legal services, you go here for this, you might go here for business formation services, over here for a trademark, over here if you have a potential dispute or litigation prop, like, you end up having to look in a lot of different places sometimes to get your legal needs met. And for me, I chose a very, very narrow niche of client to serve, but I wanted to go really deep into that business model and into their needs. And so that's what I've done over the course of my career. And what it means is that there is a very clear map and I can teach the map. And while I don't do everything on the map, I can speak to people about their options in the marketplace and help them become a better, more strategic decision maker. So the map is basically made of five buckets. If you literally visualize five buckets, like three kind of on the top part of the circle, two on the bottom, and then picture some arrows uh, going in a clockwise direction behind the buckets, right? The arrows are there to remind you that this is an ongoing assessment. I call it a rolling risk assessment that you have to do for your business as you grow, as you add new services, as you hire new people or bring new people into your business, as you maybe launch new products or offerings, as you expand your presence online. Each one of these is a function of how we grow and build our business. And each one of these has some protection from a legal perspective available to it, right? And it's going to fit within one of these buckets. So <clears throat> bucket number one is your legal, like your, your business entity. I call it your legal foundation for your business. And that is really creating a formal legal entity or a formal business structure that says to the IRS, the court system, your clients, like my business is contained here. My personal life is way over here. You're separating the two. You are separating out your business liability from your personal assets. And that requires that you set up 
an LLC, a C corporation, some kind of legal entity that contains your business is the home for your business, right? So that's bucket number one. We can spend lots of time there because there's different strategies available. There's different reasons why one corporate structure might make more sense than another, but um, you've got options available. And I, I put a lot of emphasis on this first point because in the United States, 60% of small businesses remain sole proprietors. And a oh, sole wow. proprietor, yeah, is someone who is like, you know, Joe Green Plumbing. And it's their name. They don't have a legal entity. They might have a business license. That's not a legal entity. That's not a contained business that separates out that liability. So don't do that. If you care about where you're headed and you care about your personal assets and you want to create a thriving business and build some personal wealth or personal assets along the way, treat your business like a business, right? And do it right from the start. So uh, that's my quick, you know, little soapbox spiel about bucket number one, but it's a really important one. And the, the final point I'll make on this bucket is that people often, again, with the mindset, like, well, I'm too small, or I don't have a big enough budget to do that yet. I'm not going to tackle it yet. Don't do that to yourself. It is the difference between fully committing and being all in in your business versus kind of like dipping your toe in the water. Like I'll get to the serious stuff later. No, do it now. Set your foundation in place and do it now. You will show up differently to your business. You will attract a different level of client. You will, your business will behave differently. Mm -hmm. I love, love that you set the foundation of like that visual, right? Too. Cause I think like, as your business grows, you might need to change structures eventually in the future too. So just remembering that even if you set it up, that this is something you might have to revisit as you grow. Like maybe an LLC isn't the best operation for you to move forward into. So I, I love that you, you set that up. So yeah, let's keep going. Go, let's go into bucket number two. Yep. And that's a really important reminder. Any of this can change. And you're right. Strategies change. Financial strategies change. Uh, goals with the company might change, right? So you can change. Um, bucket number two is a big bucket. And I spend a lot of time here with my clients. If you think of your business foundation literally as a platform, right? That is your legal entity that you are building on top of. Uh, think of your business itself like a machine, like a, a piece of equipment. And it's got all these gears and nuts and bolts and moving parts, all these interesting things that you are doing through your business. Services that you deliver, IP that you're creating and launching out into the world, you know, team members that you're bringing in and using to help build that business. So just picture this big piece of machinery on that platform, right? Your business contracts are what protect that machinery, the daily functions in your business. And so what you have to remember is that for every exchange of value in your business, there is a business contract that will protect that function. So what is an exchange of value? Well, clearly delivering your core service, your primary service is an exchange of value, right? You should have a client service agreement, right? Maybe you launch a website and you are publishing a ton of content and setting yourself self up as an expert in your space, right? And you're doing a lot through your website, which for most of my clients becomes kind of their home base, right? 
that website, even even people showing up and consuming the free the free information, that's an exchange of value, right? You need your website terms and conditions. You need your privacy policy. That's required by law. You need your terms of purchase if you're selling anything. These are all exchanges of value, right? Maybe you're building team, independent contractors, right? Exchange of value. You need a contract around that. Maybe you're branching into the joint venture world or affiliates or, you know, growing your business in interesting ways. Each one of those things probably needs a contract around it, whether it's a non-disclosure agreement, independent contractor agreement, joint venture agreement, affiliate program agreement, you're exchanging value in the world. You're exposing your intellectual property. There are things to protect. So that's bucket number two. It's a big bucket. The list is long, but there are ways people can wrap, you know, get get a comprehensive list of what they need right now. And I'm happy to share some tools at the end if you're willing yeah. to share some links. Yeah, hundred percent. And I'll just say too, I did go through your, I, I have the, the name of it, but I went through your mini course and it was fantastic. Oh, so like, we'll, the we'll legal make sure basics boot camp. Yeah. So I would, if, yeah. you, if anybody wants to go deeper in that, maybe you can share it right now. I would encourage, cause we're doing a high level here and I, I went through this and totally. it's fantastic, but share, share that right now. And then I have a follow-up question to that because I think that it's a great resource. We can just add it because we're right here. So yeah, legal basics boot camp, where can they get that? Legal Basics Bootcamp, you're going to go to legalwebsitewarrior.com forward slash legal basics. Okay. Legalwebsitewarrior.com slash legal basics. Legal basics. Okay. Awesome. Well, make sure that that's in the show notes. And again, like if you want to go deeper on all of this stuff, cause we're kind of going at a high level, that would be highly, highly recommended and it's fantastic. And it's for free, which is incredible. The value that you package in there. So I want to, I want to zoom in really quickly here on, on something in business contracts, because I think it's really easy to hear that. And again, have another one of those ostrich in the sand moments where it's like, oh my God, she just mentioned 20 different contracts that I need to go create. So I, I always, I'm always all about making this easier for people and trying to create yep. some momentum. So just want to zoom in and just ask like, how would you encourage people to start? Like, 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 is, do you have a framework for thinking about, okay, I don't have any of this, but let me just take a deep breath and like, let me pick one and then create some momentum and realize it's maybe not as scary as I thought it was. And then I can kind of create totally. the rest. So like if somebody's in that situation, where would you kind of encourage them to think about it? Totally. And it's a great question because we all start somewhere. And I will say you do not need to eat the elephant all at once, right? It is literally like just step by step. And you can do this just like you are learning marketing or sales as it applies to your business. Or maybe you're in a phase of learning more about information technology or business systems. Like you're adding on layers in each of these areas. Legal is the same. So if you're listening and you're like, gosh, yeah, that was a lot. Where do I start? Start by protecting your money maker. What are you doing right now to make money? Right. So let's pretend you're a coach or consultant. You're primarily working with one on one clients all day long. I would tell you get a client service agreement in place that you love, that is a working tool in your business. You know how to use it. It's drafted for you. It fits your business and and it's created in a way that gives you a lot of flexibility so that you can use it with client after client after client, even if you have to change some of the basic information that goes into it. Right. Get that tool, use it, learn to love it. It will, if it's done the right way. Here's the thing that I love about contracts is a lot of people think like, oh, contracts are fences. They're not fences. Contracts are containers. When they are hmm. done right, 
they help guide and protect a relationship that you care about. And if you're listening to Brandon's podcast, I know you care about your clients and I know you care about your business. And so contracts are a really, really good way. Like I said, when they're drafted the right way and they're equitable, they're fair, and they're built with the relationship in mind to really hold and contain and guide those relationships. Love that. There you go. Super not intimidating. Just start with where you're making your money and start there <laughs> if you yep. if you want to do that and then and then just build from there. Awesome. So I think that's a great actionable takeaway for anyone if they just want to kind of knock that first domino and start down this path, like start with your moneymaker. I love that. Let's let's continue on with the the next the next bucket. Yeah, totally. My final point on that bucket is if you have questions like, well, I'm doing a variety of things. What do I need to know about all of these things that I'm doing? Go to a link on my site that will, it's literally a walkthrough. Are you doing this? And you check the little drop down sign and it will give you the exact document that you need to cover that function in your business. So if you go to legalwebsitewarrior.com forward slash tools, like just the word tools hyphen opt-in, O-P-T-I-N, it is a little um, page. It will it'll you know get you into my database for one, but then it's going to take you right to a page where you can go through and literally just jot down a list of what it says you need, and that's where you should start. And if you're looking at it and it's like, oh, I needed a little bit more than I thought. Again, start with your money maker. What's your primary service or services? And then if you are online and you're really building a database, you're creating an opt-in, you're trying to maybe build your following and you've got, you know, some way for people to join a list, you do need to be thinking about privacy issues. And I would highly encourage you to look at website protection and my website protection package. But anyways, there's a whole order of priority, but start there and start with that tool. Love that. Yeah. We'll have those linked up in the show notes. And um, I would encourage anyone to check this out. Cause again, as you can already tell, like Heather's made this pretty straightforward and pretty simple in a world that is not full of simplicity. <laughs> right. So it's like, if you want a roadmap, at least check it out and, and move from, you know, there's the, the four stages of learning. I'm not going to sit and explain them, but like that, you know, go from that unconscious incompetence where you don't know what you need to know. And it's a huge jump just to at least know this kind of stuff, which is super powerful. So yes, let's, let's jump into the, the next few. Totally. So the next bucket is insurance. Obviously I don't sell insurance, but I get asked a lot of questions about insurance and where does it fit? And if I do this, then maybe I don't need insurance. Or if I have insurance, then I don't need all this legal stuff. No, not true. So think of your protections. If you go back to the visual of that foundation, right? Big platform, the equipment or machinery sitting on it, the business contracts protect that equipment of your business, the daily work that you do. Think of business insurance as a layer of padding around all of it, right? It is like extra peace of mind. It's going to protect you from very specific kinds of risks. So be really clear about you know, what it is that you're doing in your business, what it is that you need, because every business is a little bit different. There's something like 13 different insurance policies available to us as small business owners. And, you know, some of those overlap a little bit. Sometimes you can bundle policies together and get savings. But ultimately what I tell people is connect with an insurance broker that comes highly recommended that you like 
and that you develop a relationship with so that you can talk to them about your business as you grow and evolve. And you know that whenever you need to look in that bucket, you've got somebody who can help point you in the right direction and get your insurance needs covered. Yeah. Well, again, perfect. Another example of like, that's not intimidating, right? Maybe business insurance sounds intimidating, but at least having that who, that that who, not how, uh, my friend Benjamin Hardy's book just came out 10x easier than 2x, right? And like, he's got the who, not how concept with Dan Sullivan too. But like, you know, just find a who, find someone that does business insurance that that can kind of, as you keep peeking in this bucket, as you're doing the, the rolling risk assessment, as Heather said, can kind of help you. So super not intimidating. Love that. <laughs> no, yeah. Start with a phone call, right? Just tell yourself, I'm going to make one phone call. I'm just going to learn something about this today. And, and that's where it starts. And then you realize like, oh, this is actually priced pretty effectively and it's accessible. And I found somebody who knows what I need. And if you don't find that person, by the way, keep looking and, and ask others in your circles who are maybe a step or two ahead of you, who do they work with, right? This is how you find and build good people around you. Yeah, I love that. This next bucket I'm really excited for um, and something that I just... I, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about this and you already know this, but, but IP protection. So this is huge right. for anybody that's in this space. Let's dig into this one. Cause this is, this is a huge one. Yeah, this is a big bucket. This is bucket number four. It is IP protection strategies. What often comes to mind for people when you say IP protection is they immediately think, oh, registrations, right? Trademark registrations, copyright registrations, if you're in the world of building what I call gadgets and widgets and gadgets, you are also looking at patents. Most of my people are not building gadgets and gadgets. They are, right, they're in the information space. But you might have a business where you need to be looking at patents, right? I don't do patents, so I can't talk much about them. But I have a very good friend who does. So I'm happy to point you over there. Um, in regards to trademarks and copyrights, Let's talk about where those fit in your business, right? So the quick visual and also what the distinction is, because a lot of people will ask, well, what's the difference? What do I need? Um, think of your business or your brand like a mountain, right? What is visible from the marketplace is the snow-capped peaks, the top of that mountain. From a business or branding perspective, what that is, is your business name, your business logo, your tagline, maybe a signature product or program name, right? It's going to be the top level stuff. That is what you protect with trademarks, right? Name, logo, uh, phrase, you know, uh, a short phrase or combination of words or a single word. So think of Nike, right? The brand Nike. Nike is going to have a uh, trademark around it. They're going to have a logo, with a trademark registration and the tagline, just do it with the registration. That's an easy way to remember what trademarks protect. Now, if you're looking at the rest of the mountain, what I call the body of the mountain, that is the body of your work. This is the way that you express your ideas into the world and they take some tangible form. So whether that is a video tutorial, maybe it's a podcast, maybe it's a... Um, and when I say podcast, like the actual podcast episodes, the name of a podcast you'd protect with a trademark. 
the content of the podcast you protect with copyright, right? So uh, workbooks, maybe you write a real book, whether you self-publish or you go through a publisher, right? Maybe you have worksheets, downloads, like all the ways that you express your work into the world. This is what you protect with copyrights copyright registrations, right? And the difference. So let's be clear that a copyright registration is not required. The moment that you create whatever it is that you've created that takes tangible form in the world, you have copyright ownership of that thing. So whether it's an article, an illustration, an infographic, uh, you know, a blog, whatever it is, you've created that, you have copyright ownership in that thing. You can immediately put copyright notice, like a C in a circle, the year that the work was made, and the name of the copyright holder, right? Maybe that's you and your individual name. Copyrights usually rest with the individual, unless that individual is working for a company, right? And then usually it's assumed that that work belongs to the company. So, you know, that's how you do a proper copyright notice. It's not required by law. But I highly encourage people in the online space to use it because it will protect your work. It will put people on notice. Now, the registration part is what gives you the ability to actually pursue protection of the work. If you have to hire an attorney, if you have to actually go after damages without a registration, it's going to be too cost prohibitive to do that. So that's the big distinction of what the registration gives you. Now, uh, the other thing to keep in mind about this bucket is there's heavy overlap from bucket number two, which is contracts, right? Contracts are, I call contracts the gatekeepers of our IP. Think of putting even a client service agreement in place. People are chronically surprised when people go through their courses or their digital programs or their services and then turn around and rip off the content. Mm -hmm. It happens, you guys, and I hate to say it, there are just some unethical folks out there, and sometimes they end up being your client, and it's really a shame, but it is the reality, and you have to be prepared for that, which is why, in part, you need really well-drafted client service agreements, website terms, terms of purchase, all the ways that you are exposing your IP to outside eyeballs, yeah, you need language in place that says, here's what you can do with my information. Here's what you can't do with it, right? So think of those contracts, even if you're like, well, I'm not quite ready for a trademark registration. I know I need one, but first, right? First, do your contracts. They are the gatekeepers. Make sure that those are done. Um, and then there's there's a, within IP, there's a little category of information that is called trade secrets, right? This is information that is proprietary and that by, by its very name should remain a secret, meaning you do not want it exposed outside of your business. You don't go file that stuff in a copyright registration. That's public record, right? Trade secrets are protected with contracts, with non-disclosure agreements. So this is where when you're building team, you're hiring independent contractors, maybe you're hiring your first employee you've got contracts in place that say, you know, you're not going to disclose this type of information. You will agree to keep it confidential, right? You've got the confidentiality clauses and the non-disclosure stuff built in. 
So that's super important. And then even in the context of collaborating, right? I love living in a collaborative world. I love watching people collaborate. And sometimes those collaborations fall apart. So before you collaborate, people are skipping this step left, right, and center all over the place. Put an NDA in place that says we agree not to disclose things that we learn about each other's business in the context of this collaboration or this potential collaboration. It's really that simple. And then you've got a document that says the proprietary stuff will stay proprietary. People, again, are chronically surprised, like, oh, I had this conversation and we thought about doing this thing together and we changed our mind. But guess what? He or she went and took my idea and ran with it. Big surprise. You weren't acting that protective about it, right? Mm -hmm. So anyways, that's that's my little rant about IP, but it's, a, it's an important topic. It is the asset that we have to learn about and deal with in our businesses if we live in the information space, which all of my clients do, right? Yeah. So I think very, it's crazy. To, I mean, one. the easiest thing to think about is just like, you know, if you own a physical, if you own a jewelry store, obviously your assets are the watches. It's the, it's the rings and the gold. That's really easy. Like, yeah, no shit. I'd put that in a vault and make sure that that's like, not going to be stolen, but like, right. yeah, exactly. But like, you know, when it comes to the stuff that is a product of our brain that, that eventually gets expressed as a name or something like that, you know, in the, in the, as you said, in the information space, that is literally the equivalent of your gold. That's the equivalent of your jewelry. Right. And so like understanding the ways and the law about like how this can be protected is literally the foundation of your business. And so um, that's something I've been just thinking a lot about, especially as I, you know, start creating more and more content. It's the fact that the, like, if you don't have a proper trademark in place, someone can literally, you could be 500 episodes into a podcast and somebody could send you a cease and desist and says, good luck, change all your shit in 30 days, <laughs> you know, and they have the legal right to do that. So, um, just imagine getting that kind of a letter, which I'm sure you have clients that's dealt with that and you deal with that kind of stuff all the time, but this is a big one. Like if you, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Pay, only pay attention to this one because these are all worth paying attention to. But this is another one of those areas where it's like, you know, you could you could be in a world of hurt if you didn't understand this. So, um, oh, totally. Heather, I know, I know we're, we're already kind of coming up on time, and I, I want to be respectful. But yeah, let's let's if we can fit in the the last one, totally. and then we can maybe start wrapping some things up. Absolutely. So the final bucket is bucket number five. I joke that people are running towards this bucket. It is dispute resolution right? Or dispute resolution strategy. It really, you could call this bucket the communication bucket. It is really about how we communicate through our business. And the, the first place that I usually want people to start when you are thinking about your business from the standpoint of a communication slash dispute resolution strategy perspective is look at your business as a series of touch points look at your website language, look at your marketing language, look at your newsletters, look at all the ways that people kind of find you and come into your world and what it is that they're first exposed to, right? And you're looking at each of these touch points through the lens of, am I being clear? Am I being consistent? And am I helping to create the kind of client that I want to show up to my door to work with me? And am I properly setting client expectations? Where disputes come from 
is somebody had an expectation that an experience would look like this and instead it looks like that right so a, a discrepancy between what they expected versus what the actual experience was and so how do we change that partly through better education partly through really examining are we delivering what we say we're going to deliver are we following through right but so much of this is is a lot of front end work, properly setting those client expectations. And the only way that we can do that is through our communication. So everything from those early marketing messages, your landing pages, your website, the way that you show up on a stage, wherever, wherever it is that you are first showing up in the world and that people are getting exposure to you. And then look at their experience once they kind of come into the fold, how you're nurturing them along, what that enrollment conversation or that sales conversation looks like, your legal documentation to enroll that client should just be one more touch point in a conversation that you're already having. Should not be a surprise. It should not like knock them over with all this stuff they have not thought about before, right? Who's the legal support and what I really call legal system that you develop into your business as one more business system to support the client journey, support the experience, support your business growth, and um, and you can really streamline things and make it a lot easier for yourself just by looking at the clarity of your language. Um, final point on that is get a book called Difficult Conversations because the other part is what yeah. happens once a red flag scenario pops up you've got to deal with it the right way. And there is a right and wrong way to deal with a potential dispute. So go get the book, yeah. Difficult Conversations. It's a brilliant book, easy to read, harder to implement. It's written by the folks that put on the program on negotiation at Harvard. They're top notch. And just, it will change your life when it comes to developing skills and handling what you consider to be difficult conversations. They will become less difficult for you. Amazing. Guys, if you were on a bike right now, or if you are driving, or if your hands are full of dish soap, as I always say, as all the places that our, our friends are probably listening to us right now, man, like, first of all, go check out the full masterclass, right? If you want to go deeper in this and understand this, but we, if you've been hanging on, you've heard something here that is absolutely has the potential to protect you and your business. But again, just remember the five buckets, the business structure, the business contracts, business insurance, your IP protection plan, and your dispute resolution plan. At least now you have the map, like as, as Heather said, and now you can probably tell why I wanted to bring Heather on. Like if you go to her site, guys, like she works with the names, right? Like she's worked with Lewis Howes, Damon John. Like, so it's, it's not a question why, because Heather has found a way to package this in a way that is easily digestible and uh, just the resources that I found on your site and the way that you teach it and working with you one-on-one -on -one has just been absolutely incredible. So I'm just so grateful to have you on and for sharing. Like this is just pure gold and can save so much for people. So like I said, I want to be respectful of your time. I would love to wrap up by asking you a question that I love asking all my guests when I get a chance to ask. And uh, it's going to be a little bit of a non sequitur from the last conversation we were having, but um, I would love to know what happiness means to Heather today. What is, what is your definition of what brings you happy? and what happiness means for you? Mm, so happiness means a couple things. Happiness for sure is, I think, having for me, having the impact that I want to have in the world. But it is also like truly where I get my greatest happiness is seeing humans 
close to me, like near and far, it doesn't matter, but seeing humans live into their fullest potential and their fullest expression of themselves. And so that's what happiness means to me. That's so beautiful. And thank you for demonstrating that in today's episode. Like it's, it's just, I don't know if it's just the way I interview or the way I see things, but it's just so clear to me that you are living in a business that's in alignment with your potential, right? Like you looked at your past experiences from being the oldest of, or the second oldest of six siblings and always being that protector and being a warrior. And you found a way to translate those values into the people that you serve and, and making that impact that you want to make. So that is super beautiful and a huge reminder uh, for all of us about what's happening when we find that alignment with ourselves. So that's so amazing. I would also final, final question is obviously we already talked about anybody can go to legal website, warrior.com slash legal basics or slash tools dash opt-in. If you want to grab any of the resources that Heather's been talking about, but besides those two places, any other things that you would want them to check out to, to dive into you and your work? Well, I mean, I'd invite you to, to hop over if you enjoy podca podcasts, come join me on Guts, Grit, and Great Business. It is a podcast all about business and building businesses and lives that we love. So I really love spending time there. I have phenomenal guests. It's um, just some really fun and deep conversations. Um, and then, yeah, there's tons of resources on my site. Like even if you go to my media link, lots of other conversations, lots of ways that you can get educated in a, what I'll say, fairly enjoyable way. I love the people that I connect <laughs> with like you, Brandon, through podcasts and great conversations that help. I think, you know, my hope is that it at least helps in some regard make legal support feel more accessible, feel mm -hmm. like a doable thing in these businesses as we're building them. Love that. Yeah. And I think I would, I would hope one or two of our listeners like podcasts. So I would, I would encourage <laughs> you to go check out the podcast. If you love the way Heather shows up, which if you're hanging out with us, that means you do. And this has been so much fun. So I'm just going to conclude by having a conversation with you listening right now. And I said kind of towards the middle that I would say towards the end. So it's a little bit of inception, but my life has absolutely been changed by podcasts. It's why I'm so passionate about it. And like, I can't tell you how many times I've heard something and implemented it and it changed my life. And this Every single episode has that seed of making that impact. And this one has been packed with them. Like it, like there's so much in here, whether it was just hearing Heather's story about what she had to go through to bring her kids into the world and the, the, the grit that she had to have to, to just, oh man, to endure that and bring that into her life. But also obviously all the stuff that we talked about, the five buckets, making sure that you're protected, protecting your IP, your structure. Like those are all, these are all concepts that can change someone's life. So my ask for you listening is that if you've been impacted by one of those stories or one of those things that you just take a second and you share it with someone, it can completely transform someone's life. And um, you never know what that one episode can do for someone. So I, whether you choose to do that or not, I appreciate you so much for listening. You are absolutely what makes this show possible. And I appreciate you, Heather, so much. I appreciate you for being here. Any final things that you want to say before we wrap up for today? Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate you for having a platform and sharing your message and sharing the message of your guests. Um, yeah, I mean, mostly I want people to keep going. That's that's what I want. And it's it's what I want through my business. It's what I want through my podcast is I want folks who are called to do the work that they are here in the world to do to go do it and to keep doing it and to do it really well. Don't want to add anything else to that. Keep going. This has been an amazing episode. Thank you, Heather. I appreciate you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Brandon.